the second chapter of Timothy, chapter 3, or 2 Timothy chapter 3, I'm sorry. This is, I, I'm not preaching from this today, but I, I want to talk to you for a minute about the fact that something Angie had read to me in one of her devotions this week, and I have not been able to get away from it. And that is in 2 Timothy chapter 3, Paul lists 19 different things that people were involved, engaged in, and that identified their community and their world. 19 different things, all types of immorality and sin and, and, and personal sin, the things that dealt with the flesh and pride and lust, hidden things of the heart. He covered 19 things. You need to go home and you need to read them when you can. 2 Timothy, Timothy chapter 3, the first eight or nine verses. And all of those things are prevalent right now. I know that the coronavirus has taken over in the minds of the whole world. But I'm telling you that there's some things that you need to be concerned about a whole lot more than the coronavirus. Because, see, the coronavirus, again, is just a speck of what's going on. You don't even realize how much of a speck it is. In fact, I dare say that anybody in here or anybody that's watching now or later would even believe just how small the pandemic is compared to all the other things that are happening uh, by the prince of the power of the air. It blow your mind, probably scare you if you are a creature of fear. It scare you to death. But we are told by the Lord himself that we don't need to belong to that type of thinking. We don't need to be a part of that world. A lot of people are carried about. They're uh, worried about either the one that's in office coming out or the one that thinks he wants to go in getting in. Everybody's mind's preoccupied. Everybody has their own made-up Savior in a way. Everybody thinks everybody but Jesus, Jehovah, can solve the problems. And everybody's wrong. And if I had to pick a city in the Bible, we're in Revelation, and you need to be there with us on Wednesday night. But I'm going to talk about some things. Uh, the church of Pergamos, I believe, and Thyatira on this coming Wednesday night that has somewhat to do with what I'm dealing with this morning. But if I had to pick out a city, and we talk about Laodicea a lot, but Sodom and Gomorrah look so much like the world we live in now, people just don't even realize it. And I'm going to tell you, with all the grace that's out there, the, the, the re-engineered grace and all the other things, you know, everything's been watered down in the kingdom now. God's not really a holy God anymore. God doesn't care about things that, that we care about, that we should care about. God, God doesn't care about, God understands we're in a new day and a new time. He doesn't understand. He's always God. He's the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. And I'm going to tell you this. If God felt the way he felt about sin during the days of Sodom and Gomorrah and all the other times where his judgment was poured out, before he watched his son be brutally beat to death and pierced 
and crowned with a crown of thorns at Calvary. If God felt this way about sin and, un sin and unrighteousness then, then folks, how much more does he feel passionately about living holy and right now that he's watched his son go through all that so we wouldn't have to be held captive to sin? I'm telling you, Everybody thinks that God's winking in sin, but no, he is not. There is come a day, coming a day of reckoning. There's coming a day when God's going to say, you watered it down, you thought it was okay, and you just blended in with everybody else. But just like I'm a loving God, I'm a God of justice, and I will always stand by my word, and I will always uphold my word. So we're going to go to Genesis chapter 19 for just a few minutes. I'm going to tell you something leading up to Genesis 19. It, it would serve you well if you had something, a Bible or something. And I'm just going to say this. You'll label me, and I'm so good with that. If you don't own one of these right here, you need to own one. If you can't even buy one, look, we'll get you a Bible if you don't have one. But look, these things die. And... You cannot, you cannot dive near as good into a device that's got all other kind of dings and pings and sounds going on as you can just going somewhere in a corner with God. Now, I do both and love them both. In fact, uh, every message that God gives me, it, it, it's put together inside of here in a program I have. So I'm not going against technology, but if you don't own a Bible and you're not used to carrying one, I don't think I'm really talking to anybody much at all because most of us, if you hear say amen, we have about 10 or 12 scattered all over the house. That's what I thought. So it's not a problem with owning a Bible, but I want to look at Genesis chapter 18 while you're turning to 19, and I want to tell you, Abraham and Sarah have been told by God through an angel, through three men as a matter of fact, serving as, uh, for God as a messenger, went and told Abraham, listen, God knows you're faithful. God knows that he can trust you, and he's going to bless you. You're going to be the father of many nations, and your wife Sarah is going to conceive. She was listening in the tent, eavesdropping. Women don't do that these days, but they used to do it back then. And she laughed and said, uh, I didn't do it when she was asked about it. Why'd you laugh, Sarah? God knew she laughed, see. And uh, sure enough, about nine months later, she was well stricken. He was well stricken way beyond the childbearing age. Did y'all hear what just happened to me? Did you hear my, my sinuses kick in just like that? told you. I'm preaching. It don't matter to me. If you, can, if you can handle it, I can handle it. Amen. All right, let's go. He said, you laughed. I know you laughed, but it's still going to happen. And so what had happened, Abraham had been blessed with a lot of cattle, livestock, all kinds of things. He'd really been blessed by God. And so was his nephew Lot. Lot had been blessed too. Well, their blessings got so big that they had to separate, and they needed to go somewhere. Out of the gate, here's where you need to really click in. Out of the gate, Lot 
was given first option because Abraham was a humble, obedient servant of God. He said, you do what you want to do. I'm paraphrasing big time, so just stay with me. And so Lot looked. He saw the land. It was beautiful. It was green. It had Las Vegas written all over. He said, I would like to go over there. He said, go. So he went that way. He, he really took the selfish route, and then Abraham said, well, I'll just go over here. So about that time, that went... And he stayed there, and then some time passed by. And then the Bible says God was fed up with Sodom and Gomorrah. Sodom and Gomorrah looked just like the United States of America does right now. If you name it, it was being done. If it was wrong back then, they called it right. Anybody know where I'm coming from? If it was sick, they called it sane. If it was nasty, they called it clean. It was a filthy place. People loved sin at any length and any degree. Anything you could think of, they had a reason for saying that it was acceptable. And God says, well, time's up on all that, and I'm not going to have it anymore. I am ready to destroy what has just become repulsive to me. He had already done that with a man, eight people in a boat, that story sounds familiar to anybody. He had already done that one time before because he regretted man was made. He couldn't stand what man had turned themselves as well as the earth into. And here we go there again. And God's going to do this again, but the next time he does it, it's going to be once and for all. So we need to really lean on the everlasting arm of God the days that you have left. And so God says, Go down there, and I want you to destroy Sodom and Gomorrah. Well, Abraham knew about this, and Abraham said, wait a minute, whoa, 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 whoa. He knew his nephew was there, and he was a compassionate man. He said, just say there are 50 righteous people there. Would you, would you destroy a whole, would you destroy a city? If 50 righteous people were there, and a lot of you know this story, I said, if there were 50 righteous people, I wouldn't even destroy the whole city. I wouldn't even touch it. And so what he kept doing, he kept, he kept going back to God and going down. What about 40? What about 45? What about 40? And then he got down to 20. And then he finally got down to 10. God, he said, 10, would you destroy all that land and all them buildings and all them people? If there were 10, God said, if I could find 10 people, I would not destroy it. God couldn't find 10 people. Let me park and shop for 35 seconds. Straight is the gate, narrow is the way. Few there be that find it. There's a lot of people that says, Lord, Lord, they will not enter in. I'm quoting the word of God, okay? A lot of people think, I'm going back to another uh, parable. Jesus said, 10 virgins said it Wednesday. Ten. All of them slept. Five of them were foolish. Five of them were wise. Five of them, when they heard that the bridegroom was coming, said, whoop, we better wake up. And so they trimmed their lamp. They got their house in order. They got their lives right. They quit sleeping and slumbering and just thinking that after uh, 
November or December, the coronavirus will be gone and we're just going to go right back to, I want to get back to my life. Sorry, you will never get back to that life again. It will not exist. Mark my word, look at the timing on the video right now and you can hold me to it, but life will never be like that again. Boy, I'm glad I came to this church today. I'm telling you the truth. I could take my last breath any minute. I'm telling you the truth. You want to go and hear it a little bit lighter than that? I, we don't have that on the menu anymore. I got to see what I can do to get some people home. Amen? And you can't play around. I have not been called by God to be some kind of motivational speaker. Not going to do it. I know everybody else is trying to just treat church-like and messages like the coronavirus. And you know what? I almost, almost am having a hard time because people that I kind of glean and look, it, it just looks like nobody wants to sound the alarm. Nobody. And I want to say, brethren, do you not see what's happening? Or, or are you scared to death? Or are you just in denial of everything? You need to let people know that Jesus is about to come take his bride away and you need to tell them. So that's what I'm doing today. I'm sorry. I know I'm hollering. I'm probably peeking the board and all that, but I can't help it. You get excited when somebody wins. You get excited when there's a big sale. Amen? Well, I serve somebody that's already won, and I know somebody that's got the best deal in town. Hallelujah. So all these people were living like Sinners live, and they were doing the things, and he said, I can't find 10 people, so it's on. He sent two angels down there, and he said, this is what's going to happen. Y'all going to destroy that city. And so the Bible says in verse 1 of chapter 19, the two angels came to Sodom in the evening, and Lot was sitting in the gate of Sodom. And when Lot saw them, he rose to meet uh, with them, and he uh, bowed himself with his face to the ground. You may not have all these, so just listen. And he said, Here now, my lords, please turn into your servant's house and spend the night and wash your feet. Then you may rise early and go on your way. And they said, No. But we will spend the night in the open square. But he insisted strongly, so they turned in to him and entered his house. Then he made them a feast and baked unleavened bread, and they ate. Now, before they lay down, the men of the city... The men of Sodom, both old and young, all the people from every quarter surrounded the house. And they called to Lot and said to him, Where are the men who came to you tonight? Those two men. We saw them enter your house. Bring them out to us that we may know them carnally. Adults, do you know what I mean when I say that we may know them carnally? Thank you. All right. Before I read anything else, I need to go to the previous verse, and I need to make a very interesting point God brought out to me, and that is not just the men of the city came around the house, but it shows you they had already trained the young children, the young boys, to grow up and walk in the way they were walking in. 
That's why the Bible says to whom much is given, much is required. And you have a small amount of time on all of our watches to make positive impacts on the lives of babies and children because you can tell them what to do and not to do all day long. But they're going to follow you around Lot's house if they see you going around Lot's house. And then the Bible says, so Lot went out to them through the doorway and shut the door behind him and said, Please, my brethren, do not do so wickedly. See, now I have two daughters who have not known a man. Please let me bring them out to you, and you may do with them as you wish. Only do nothing to these men, since this is the reason they have came under my roof, the shadow of my roof. And the Bible says those men went on to say, Listen, we want those men in there. And because you've tried to deprive us of that, we weren't going to treat you that bad because you live here, but now we're going to pour it on you. And so the Bible says that those men surrounded Lot, and they came in like vultures on him and was, and was just almost about to suffocate him when out the door one of the angels reached, and they grabbed Lot, and they jerked him back in the house right before they killed him. And then the angels struck all the men and boys around the house with blindness so they couldn't find the door. Right here, right here, I'm reading this. And so, verse 12 says, Then the men said to Lot, Have you got anybody else? Around? When he pulled him back in and struck him with blindness, he said, Have you got anybody else? Son-in-laws. What about your, the sons, your daughters? Or, or Do you have anybody in the city that you love and you're close to? Take, listen to this, take, or is everybody listening to me today? Yeah. The one rule, if you come in this church, well, two, you got to worship God when it's time to worship God, and you got to listen to the Word. If you didn't come here for that, I love you to death, but you're in the wrong church. Now's not time to look on your phone or talk to somebody or nothing. And not that I got anything to write home about, but look, I'm a messenger of the Word of God right now, and nothing else exists. This is the only thing that will last. So pay attention, amen? I'm trying to save your life. So, listen, I'm not mad. I, it's just passion. He said, you got anybody else you love, you care about, co-workers, what about your neighbors, what about your golfing buddies, what about the, the ladies you go shopping with, you have girls and all that. Have you got anybody else you love? He said, you need to go get them out of this place right now. And I want to tell you this before I read anything else. God is giving us the people of the church of Almighty God a chance to find out our brothers, our sisters, our co-workers, our mamas, our daddies, our, uh, our fiancés, co-workers, our neighbors. He's telling us, listen, I have put it on the wall in Braille. I am about to return. I'm about to pass judgment on this earth. And if you've got anybody that you love, you need to get them out of this place because I'm about to destroy this place. So for the umpteenth time, if you've got somebody you don't want to see perish in hell, you better get them out of the place they're in right now. You better witness, hallelujah. You better fast over them. You better plant seeds to them. You better tell them you're sorry for what you did to them. Whatever you got to do, if you love them, you better get them out of the place they're in right now. I just feel like preaching today for some reason. Hallelujah. 
He said, for we will destroy this place because the outcry, that's important, the outcry against them has grown great before the face of the Lord. And the Lord has sent us to destroy it. By the way, in the terms of our current culture, I am not preaching a politically correct message, okay? Just want to let, put that out there, okay? So Lot went out and, in the world or in the church, so Lot went out and spoke to his sons-in-law who had married his daughters and said, get up, get out of this place for the Lord will destroy this city. But to his sons-in-law, are you listening? His sons-in-law, he seemed to be joking. When you invite people, listen, he told the disciples, if you enter into a house and they refuse you, they laugh at you, they make fun of you, they don't have anything to do with you because you're a part of me. He says, shake the very dust off your feet, but keep on going. And I'm telling you, you can invite people to church, you can be a witness, you can do all the things you do, and they may probably, maybe will not receive it, but... But there's coming a day, as I said when we were singing earlier, when every knee will bow, every tongue will confess that he is Lord, and there's a day when it won't be a joke anymore. There's a day when nobody will say, well, I'm offended anymore. Well, there's be a day when somebody will say, well, yeah, well, that's a hate crime. That will all be gone. You see what I'm saying today? There is coming a day when the judgment of God won't hear any of the nonsense that we have to choke every day of our lives and we have to hear it come in and bombard us. There is coming a day when the Lord's going to say, look, it ain't a joke. It's for real, and I'm doing what I'm about to do. And so but verse 15 right here says this. When the morning dawned, the angels urged Lot, hurry, saying, arise, take your wife and your two daughters who are here, lest you be consumed in the punishment of the city. Here we go. You remember I just told you about the ten virgins? They all slumber, five foolish, five wise. Look at this. I'm telling you, this is in our DNA, people. This is why God has lit my tail on fire because I know it's in all of us. Listen to me. Listen to me. Verse 16, here we go. Now, he's been told. He's had angels stay. He's had a godly encounter. Verse 16, got my name all over. And while he lingered, While he lingered, coronavirus, I'm going through it. Coronavirus, you ain't never had one before. You ain't never seen one. Nobody that's ever breathed has seen a pandemic like this. Swine flu don't count. It, it was localized. It wasn't global, okay? It didn't change the way people live. So we got a coronavirus. It's a spot. It's, and we got this race. For the vaccine, I'm repeating myself, we have got uh, the need to go to a cashless society. Coin, little coin shortage deal, that's just like a lot of other things. Then we've got, well, all these different religions and God's just too confusing. We just need to minimize this down to one God. It's on its way. It's on its way. You can just try to ponder all day long, it's on its way. If I'd have preached what I'm preaching about coronavirus in January, a lot of people would have, want, you wouldn't have wanted to be associated with, with this church anymore. But everybody here, 
When you hear the word COVID-19 or coronavirus, nobody has to explain that to you. And then we go into, this is the year of a census, you know. A lot of people don't even think about all that, but hey, hey. Uh, then we, we've got all these other things, and, and you know, this is uh, par for the course. We've got a, uh, an election this year. Doesn't mean anything to me at all. It really doesn't. And, 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 you know, we got people that love a donkey or an elephant a whole lot more than they love a, a risen Savior, and they prove that in their conversation. But I'm not of this world. You can stay down here and ride the donkey and the elephant. In fact, you can put one foot on the donkey and one on the elephant. You can be an independent. You can be unaffiliated. I don't care what you are. But I don't belong to this world. I'm not a white man anymore. I'm not from German descent anymore. I don't, uh, I, I, nothing, nothing about this life is relevant to me anymore. Do you hear me? I gave all that up when I said, yes, Jesus, I want to be part of you and your world and that world. I'm not, I don't, I'm not part of this anymore. Don't ask me how I feel about Trump or Biden or anybody else. I tell you how I feel about Jesus. He's the one I feel so much about. He's the one that I identify with. He's my lineage. He's my heritage. He's the one that's given me a new name. He's the only one that I really focus on now. I don't care about this world anymore. I don't care about it. Don't care about it. So, while he lingered, worried about all that stuff, lingered, lingered. Because see, look, and I don't think I mean to be offensive when I say this, but I mean to be challenging. People that believe the Word of God and what I'm preaching, they're starting to trim their lamps. If you ain't trimmed them the first five, six months of this new way, if you hadn't trimmed them yet, I just really advise you, because some people, their prayer life has not been affected. Their church life certainly hadn't been affected by it their tithing life, their fasting life, their devotional life, reading about uh, their evangelistic life of reaching the lost. None of that's been affected. They are the group of people, and I mean I'm talking to people inside of churches. They are the people that's just waiting on it to blow over. They're waiting on Hurricane Sally to get out of the way so I can put my fall decorations out. Nothing wrong with it. We got a few of those things. So while they lingered, the men took hold of his hand, the angels took hold of his hand, his wife's hand and the hand of his two daughters, being merciful to him, and they brought him out and set him outside the city. So it came to pass when they had brought them outside that he said, escape, do not look, don't look behind you. We're going to stop here for a minute. Two things I need to tell you right quick. Lot started off looking for land in a carnal way. He just started looking and saying, well, I think I'll take that over there. He started off bad. He started off not in a humble way. But folks, listen to me today. You need to, know, you need to understand this. Somewhere along the line, because I'm about to read you when they got out, and all of you know what happened next, but when they, when they got out of town, Lot's wife looked back and she became a pillar of salt. But I want you to hear this now because Lot started off on a bad note anyway. And when you start off on a bad foot, 
you're going to end on a bad foot unless you have a God encounter. It never gets better. The grass is never green anywhere but around Calvary. And right at the foot of Calvary, it's worn out right there because there's knees there that have worn the grass out and it's just dirt. But there's no green grass on any hill except for where the hill where the old rugged cross is. Hallelujah. So... He let his wife down somewhere along the way. He let his wife down. The angels got his hand and the two daughters' hands. Caleb, I'm coming to you, baby. He, he got their hands and, 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 and they just started running. They just started running. They started running. But as a husband, I want to talk to a husband. Husbands might be a husband one day, but I want you to hear me. You are a pathetic excuse for the male species, if you do not lead your wife in a relationship that's centered around Jesus. You don't have to clap. I'm telling you, if we had darts in here, I see some jokers that would put my head on that mountain right now. Husbands, you got to realize, you've got, and I, I'm talking to you out there too, You've got to realize, God bless you. I tell every couple I've ever married, I lay it down to the husband. And I tell them, listen, my friend, she is not yours. She is on loan. God is giving her to you for a small season. She's a gift. You're going to get judged one day, my friend, on how you treat her. Because she's, she's not your wife near as much as she's his gift. She's his property. In fact, one day he will say this is her last breath and she'll be gone. He said, so I'm going to judge you. Me and you going to have a talk one day on how you loved her and how you led her. I probably ought to say that again, hadn't I? God's going to judge you, my friend, on how... Now, I'm going to say this. 30 years, 30 years I've been with my wife. I don't have to, I do not have to like have a little quiet meeting with her. But a day does not go by. Not one day where we do not embrace and call on the name of our God together. And we pray for you. We pray for our family. We pray for people that are sick and people that are serving those that are sick. We pray every, I said every day, not almost there. I said we pray every day. Every day. You know why? Because one day she's not going to be by my side and you're not going to be sitting in front of me. It's going to be one of them days when he's going to want to look. Look, in 91, I gave you Angie Clark and I even let her take on your name. But buddy, you dropped the ball. You stayed selfish. You stayed full of pride. You were one of them ignorant jokers that said, well, I'm the head of the house. No, you wasn't. You were the tail of the house because you never showed her what I looked like. Don't clap. Don't you clap. You could take a bulldozer and run it through. There's so much tension in it. There's so much testosterone doing this right here, right now. It's crazy. But you need to get rid of that. I'm trying to help you out. You're going to stand before him whether I preach this to you or not. So I figure I'll need to give you some kind of advantage. Amen? So all his life, she still might have looked back, and I get that. But if he had grabbed her hand instead of an angel's, 
he would at least have been leading here, honey. Look, because he said, iron sharpens iron. See, I'm 50% of Angie. She's 50% of me. Both of us together make up one. I'm not 70% and she's 30 or 51 and she's... No, sir. Two of us, two halves make a whole. And so sometimes I've got to grab her by the hand, but sometimes she's got to grab me by the hand when I'm going to... Come on, honey. We can make it. Don't look back. That's over with. That's not a part of you anymore. The devil tried to do that. Don't look back. We're going forward. We're going to move together with God. We're going to get through this with the Lord by our side. Lot failed his wife. He failed. I don't care what you say. Lot failed his wife. And he failed his family too. He failed his family. We know he had four daughters. Those two of them were sons-in-laws, spouses. Then he had two other daughters. Because see, this story just gets worse and worse. After everything, y'all with me? You got to stay with me today. I'm sweating like a stuck pig. You can't do nothing but just watch today. Now, you got to look. He failed his family. I may not be able to buy everything. I'm talking for all of us. You may not be able to buy everything your child needs, but a lot of times your child don't need nothing bought. They, they need something that's already been purchased. It's called the payment of sin at Calvary. They need that. If you lead them in the way they should go, the Bible says in Proverbs 22, when they get old, they won't depart from it. You need to give them what they've already it's been purchased for. He failed his family. Not all of them made it with him. I'm trying to finish. I'm really trying to finish. But you need to understand that one day I will never preach another message in this church. I, no, I, I won't preach no more. I don't have any clue when that will be. There will be a day when people will try to get in this church and it won't matter. And it will be full. They'll be waiting online. They think, okay, well, I'm going to do it now. Well, yeah, you should have thought about that 30 seconds ago before millions of people went missing. So I'm trying to do that now, you know. I'm really trying to do it. I'm trying to grab your hand this morning. Don't get mad at me, men. Ladies, don't you get mad at me. Children, don't you get... I'm trying to get your hand. I want us all to go together on the first load, oh man. I don't want to play around. Oh, don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. Quit. All, this, all of this stuff, we make excuses. We try our best. Well, you know, and, and you know what? We're going to coddle and make excuses right in hell for somebody. Preachers are doing it, and so are people. So husband, listen, put your game face on while there's still time. I've never had to once remind my wife I was the head of the house. You know why? It's an automatic thing. A woman wants to be led when you're walking behind God. I wouldn't follow an ignorant, conceited, neither. I wouldn't. If you don't look like Jesus, all right, man, look, I'm getting me a new circle. Now, I'll go find people, but I'm not following somebody that's headed for a cliff, and you won't neither. God, I got to finish. I got to finish. So, like that wasn't enough, failing his family, not getting them out of the city because he started off on the wrong foot, and here we go with his wife. Oh, my word. He failed her. She's a pillar of salt now. And now they, they headed to the mountain. And the only thing, just his two daughters. 
Because, see, when you start out wrong, I told you that, you end up wrong, and now he's in a cave with his two daughters. And it, when he's in a cave with his two daughters, they say, well, you know, it's just us now. No husband, no prospect. We've got to be able to carry on our family name and all that, so we've got a plan here. His two daughters. He said, this is what we're going to do. We're going to get Daddy drunk. Tonight, I'm going to sleep with him and conceive. So a child can be born in his name, and then tomorrow night, we'll get him drunk again. So you can conceive, and both of us. So see, now you got people that escaped Sodom and Gomorrah, but now they got incest all over them now. It doesn't get any better, folks. What is the point of all of this? You are living in Sodom right now. And if you are not grabbing somebody by the hand, you possibly are being led by the wrong hand in the wrong direction. And while I got breath in my body and God's put me here at this church, I want to make sure, I want to make sure that I didn't spend my time saying, oh, we're just going to have group time. It's going to be good. Oh, we're going to go out and have a great Monday tomorrow. Listen, I want you to go to heaven. You hear me? Plain and simple, I want you to miss hell. I want you to miss hell. You will not go to heaven if you are not following Jesus. So, it really happened, folks. You may not believe me today, but it really, really happened. And I'm going to tell you, I'm through with the sinner one now. It really happened. I'm through with the sinner one now. It happened, and a lot of you may not believe that it happened, but I want the whole church to know this, that it happened. That he really was laying at the gate one day. There was really two angels that came and said, we're going to destroy the city. And he said, well, listen, don't do that. Come stay at my house. Just come stay at my house. It really happened, folks. I'm not making it up. And so they were able to talk him into going to his house. I told you this. And it really happened that he went to their house. And when he got to their house, they began to have a meal together. And it was going to be a great time. And maybe Lot thought he could talk them out of it and change their mind. But Abraham had already pulled that trick. He went from 50 to 45 to 40, down to 20, down to 10. And God said, there ain't 10 people here. And he got him to his house and maybe a little bit of food would fix the thing. Oh, no, no, no. And so after they ate and it was all good, then it really happened. And I know I'm not politically correct, but there were uh, men of the same persuasion. There were homosexual tendencies and the whole city was full of it. It's still not okay. It wasn't okay then. It's not okay now. It won't be okay in the end. And so they surrounded the house. And as they surrounded the house, he tried his best to give his two daughters in place of the godly men. God says, nope, 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 nope. That ain't going to happen. And so anyway, while he was trying to, to compromise with them, the men started surrounding him and they tried their best to put a lot of pressure on him and as they put pressure on him the angels knew what was happening and so they grabbed him and they jerked him right back into the house so that he would be safe and the angel stuck his hand out and he smote all the men and the boys there with blindness and they could not find the door because see God is going to complete his plan God's going to do whatever he has to do he said David said let 
let my enemies be scattered. So you need to follow God while you can. And it really happened after they did that. God said, listen, I want you to tell that man he needs to get anybody that he loves. He needs to go to his son-in-laws and he needs to preach to them. He needs to tell them what's about to go down. And he went to his son-in-laws and we go to people, but Jesus came to his own and his own received him not. And after he visited his son-in-laws, his son-in-laws thought it was a joke. They just thought he was putting on. It really happened. And, and they said, well, you know what? He's just pulling our leg. He's just telling us another fib, trying to get a laugh out of us. He's trying to punk us and prank us and make us feel like fools. And so he went on. He said, listen, it's time to go. You need to get up. You need to get anybody, your daughters, your, your sons. You need to get your neighbors, your co-workers, any other family members you care about. And you need to get out of here. You need to get them as quick as you can. And so he slumbered and he slept like that wasn't enough of the word of God like a lot of people are doing today they still don't believe the signs are everywhere blood moons galore and all of the signs of the time uh, we live in a cashless society mark of the beast all over the place but he got them and they slumbered and he said you got to wake up we got to get out of here right now you've got to get out of here and as they began to run and as they began to flee just the pull of the sin and Lot's wife she began to think about that life and she looked back and all of a sudden when Lot's wife looked back she became the Bible says a pillar of salt and as she became a pillar of salt the city began to be destroyed and as people cried out everywhere and as people began to wail and they began to moan before God oh no God have mercy on me it was too late it was too late. They had already laughed. There was already fire in the city. There was already a smoke going up. The city was being destroyed. And God let them know that it was enough. He had enough and it was too late. And this morning in this church, I'm telling every person in this church, it's not funny anymore. There's nothing out here in this world worth looking at. There's nothing in this world worth looking at. I said there's nothing in this world worth looking back on and saying, oh, but that was so good because it's going to all pass away one day, folks. Sodom and Gomorrah is going to be destroyed. At the rate we're going, we're going to implode on ourselves. We're destroying ourselves anyway. But there's coming a day of reckoning. And God's given to us plenty of time to repent. And that's a no-no. People don't want, Christians do not want to hear that. But every church but one I read about in Revelation, he says, you're doing good stuff. I've watched your works. I've seen what you have done. But listen to me. Listen to me. You've got to repent. What did he tell us in 2 Chronicles 7, 14? He said, I can fix the land, but it's my people that need to get off their high horses. It's my people that need to get on their face. It's my people, not the world. It's the church that needs to return to their first wound. And they need to call on me. They need to turn from their wicked ways. And then I will hear the land. But we're too dignified. We've been a Christian, a professional Christian for 30 years. We, that's above us. I need you to stand all over this place, if you will. And I want to tell you something today. 
I've seen God move mountains before. God can move a mountain of depression in your life. God can move a mountain of sin in your life. God can move a mountain of dead in your life. Yes, He can. God can move a, a mountain of persecution. If it's time for that to end in your life, God can move it. But we've got to understand that God wants to heal our land, but we've got to be healed first. And you receive healing on your knees, not with your arms folded like God. And I'm just saying, as a figuratively speaking, that we just, we've arrived and God, you ought to be thankful that I'm still on this earth. God, you ought to be thankful that I'm still around here. I'm mighty, mighty Christian. I don't have to serve you, God. I don't have to be identified. See, we've got to humble ourselves. He said, he told the church, he said, I'll give you a crown of righteousness. I'll give you a robe. I'll give you a, a white stone with a new name on it. He went through all those in Revelation. I just heard the same thing. I, thank God I remember that. I just heard the same thing last week, another pastor. How many people in here Now, you're not doing me a favor. How many people just, you, you straight up want to go to heaven? I mean, yeah. And you know what? You're supposed to go to heaven. Hell is not for you. Do y'all understand me? You were not on the mind of God when he created hell. I don't care how bad. Even Sodom and Gomorrah, when God created hell, Sodom and Gomorrah was not even, that, that mind, that was not, no it wasn't. That was not on, when God made hell, he wasn't even thinking about Sodom and Gomorrah. Why did, why did he destroy it then, Opie? He didn't destroy it, and this is what a lot of us don't understand. God didn't destroy Sodom and Gomorrah. Sodom and Gomorrah destroyed it. That's like going out here and doing 120 where it's even 70. And then a patrolman stops you and gives you a, a, a fine of $500. And you say, why? Why did you give me this ticket? And the patrolman said, I, I, I didn't give you the ticket. You gave yourself the ticket when you broke the law and you didn't obey the law. I was minding my own business in my air-conditioned cruiser. In fact, I ought to give you another ticket for making me stop what I was doing. God didn't destroy Sodom and Gomorrah. Sodom and Gomorrah destroyed itself. God is not destroying the earth. The judgment of God is coming over this earth because of the choices of this earth. You will not go to hell because God didn't send His Son to die for you. You won't go to hell because God didn't love you enough to send Jesus from heaven to die for you. You won't. No, you won't. You'll go to hell because you said, God, I just don't want no part of that. I don't. I'm just going to hang with everybody else. I don't believe all that. The sons-in-laws pulled the same trick. 
They perish with everybody else. If I wanted you to, if I wanted your money and wanted to make sure you come back next week, I, I, I'd probably stay way away from stuff like this. But you know what? If he'll let me do it, because I can't do it right now, I want to hug Roy's big old head in heaven forever one day. Rather than having it, well, mine's bigger than Roy's. He don't get mad. Mine's just shaking out shaving. You can't sit tell him. But I want to go up to Roy forever. And I want to just hug him and be able to do that. And if me or Roy's not there, I can't do that. You, do y'all hear me when I say that? I can't do it if me and Roy's not there. So I, I'm willing to do what God says to do so we all can just have a reality check. We, we, we've been all lost in this pandemic. Look, this, uh, the way I see it, oh baby, this pandemic's right on time. Yes, it is. Oh yeah, God, uh, God knows what he's doing. Oh, this pandemic's right in the timeline where it's supposed to fall. So is getting 7 billion people vaccinated with the real vaccine might not be the coronavirus but 7 billion people you listen to this preacher you can type you can quote me on this 7 billion people will be marked and tracked one day if they're here and if they choose to do that may not have a thing to do with the coronavirus so let me put that out there you got you got people that are tender right now they'll put all kind of words in your mouth they will. That's why I research and I pray and everything season before I open my mouth. Seven billion people or ever how many people are here during tribulation that receive the mark will be marked. What about the remote parts of the earth? They will be marked. They don't even have clean water, but they're getting vaccinations that wealthy people in our country are supplying for them. The agenda is going to be filled. The thing me and you got to do is make sure we're ready to go. And I just want to end on a good note. If you are not saved here or out there, all you got to do, and you don't even have to close your eyes today, I just want you to, I want to make sure, unless God's just really dealing with you, this is how difficult it is. Lord, I've heard all this, but I've heard that, that you didn't make hell for me. And I want to miss it, Lord. But I don't want to get saved just so I can miss heaven. I want to be saved right now so I can enjoy the rest of my time living and walking with you. See, a lot of people have salvation all jacked up. You don't get saved so you can miss hell. Oh, that's in there. Oh, but you get saved so you can... He walks with me and he talks with me all along the way. Wait, I want to do something else. This is way off. Can y'all, I'm starting, I'm going to this, but the Holy Ghost is speaking to me right now. Is Eric up here anywhere? Is Eric back here anywhere? Somebody find him. Huh? What? Joe? In the garden. Listen to me. This is why I want you saved. I don't want you to go to hell. But I want you saved because right now, oh, we're living on the edge. You just do the course if you can, but listen to me, folks. I want you to know the Savior I'm talking about, that He walks with you. 
right now and He talks with you. And this is what I'm meaning all along the way. So this morning, and don't pay no attention to us. They thought we were going to do something else, and so did I. But I don't own this establishment, you see. You are not my people, and neither are they. I've got to do what I'm told to do. And some of you need to get in the garden today. You need to know what it feels like to walk beside a Savior that loves you in spite of everything. He talks with me and he tells me that I am his own. And the joy we share as we tell none other has ever just close your eyes now and see hallelujah being your child but I want to be forever walking with you in this garden this life is way too much for me on my own now if you pray that prayer the Bible says that God is faithful and he's just and he will forgive you God and I pray for every home I pray for every individual. I thank you for what I feel in this building and in my heart right now, Lord. I thank you so much, God. I pray in the name of Jesus, Lord, that every person that prayed, Lord, they would realize that you are more real to them than anything they'll ever see on this earth, Lord. 
And when the roll was called up yonder, they'll be there, oh Lord. I give you praise, Lord. If you prayed that prayer and you're online, all you have to do is text the word SAVED, the 910 400 1199 Or just go to multitudeschurch.com slash SAVED. And if you gave your heart to Jesus here today, I want you just to meet me at this altar because we got some things we're going to give you. And I got some folks that's going to help me with this. But listen, before you go home, I need you to do something. Can you hear me? I need you to go get to your wife, your sons, your son-in-laws, your daughters, your co-workers, your neighbors. I, I look at Teresa and I'm thinking about her and Dion. I'm just so glad they grabbed Leon by the hand before he went to glory. And folks, I want to tell you this. If you love them, right now you've got time. Don't worry if they laugh. They laughed at Jesus. But you will have, you will have delivered your own soul. You hear me? It's worth it. It's worth the laugh. Oh, it's worth it. Because God is applauding you. They might laugh at you, but God is applauding you. Husbands, daddies, please man up. Oh, I pray you man up. Don't let a day go by that you don't read and pray with your family. Please, I beg you in the name of Jesus. It won't end like your mind has told you it will. I promise you that. Church, you don't know what it's done for me and the people that serve every week just to have you here together with us. I wish other people were with us. I really do. But I'm glad you're here. And I want you to know we're being careful. In fact, I'm going to tell you before you leave how to leave. We started Friday. We have the church on top of everything else. We have the church professionally sanitized every, every, from the front to the back. That's why all these papers look like they got a jerry curl this, today. So we're, we're, we're doing everything. I wish I could hug you. I wish we could come to the altar and just get together. And that's coming. I'm telling you that's coming. Because I, I know my Redeemer lives. But I want to remind all of you that if you came in this morning, there was a, a, a giving station there. If you give in person, box there's always one outside the giving instructions are on the screen you can give through texting you can give through tithing and let me I mean through mailing your gift in let me just tell you this for those of you because we have this question a lot if you set your online giving up through ACH or draft the transactions only only 25 cents and it gives you the option to pay for it or the church will pay for that 25 cent and then you don't get the high fees and we don't neither but whatever you have to do to be faithful to give you can mail it in any kind of way and we pray God bless your giving bless you for giving and and I just want to let all the ladies know 
that coming up the first week in October, there's going to be like a kind of like a virtual Bible study. Many of you ladies were part of the Mary's Heart and a Martha World type study. Well, this is the companion of that. And you have about two weeks to, you can go to Amazon or anywhere books are sold. And if you want to get the study guide in the book and the way it's going to work, we've got a, a blog page set up where you'll just kind of, uh, we're going to let everybody make sure you can log into Right Now Media. You can watch the video on your own uh, schedule. And then you'll be able to correspond with one another through the blog on the website. And then about the last week of December, we hope to have a big in-person ladies rally with all the ladies just to put all this together. So you got about two weeks if you want to get the companion study. The video and all that's free, and we'll tell you more about it. But we, we want, I want to have a special prayer for you, and I want to pray for my brother in the Lord, Ricky Jacobs. He, he just needs, he is suffering tremendously from COVID, and a lot of people are. And we can be safe. We're not ignorant of his devices. It's a real virus. It's doing what it was made to do. But it wasn't made to impregnate God's people with fear. The world, yes. So we, we deal with it the way we can. But we don't punish God because there's a pandemic in the world. Amen? We don't punish Him. He said what He said, and He meant what He said. So we're going to be proactive, and we're going to be careful. God, I pray for my brother Ricky right now. I pray over every home, Lord, that's a part of his congregation, Lord that you would help them to be, oh God, so encouraged that you are faithful and you are on the throne. I pray for my cousin's daughter, Lainey, Lord, that you would continue to perform a miracle in that young lady's life. God, and I pray for the people, Lord, that you've blessed us with. I pray, Lord, that you would bless them. You would give them peace. You would make your face to shine on them. God, I pray you would open doors that no man can close and close doors that no man can open, Lord. I pray, God, that you would give them favor, anoint them. I pray a spirit. I pray the Holy Ghost pours out on every home and life. God, and I pray for boldness in a way that they could never imagine. And let the words of our mouths and the meditations of our heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our strength and our redeemer. 